With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. This time of year is so addictive if you are a college football fan because it's the crazy coaching carousel, the crazy season when it comes to the rumors that are out there, and my phone is constantly blowing up. I'm texting with everybody, agents, media members, coaches, What are you hearing? Who's going to go where? It's as if suddenly everybody is in the CIA trying to figure out how to read all of the different signs and make sense of them. Florida Gators have an open job. Chip Kelly, Scott Frost, who's going to be there? Nebraska is going to open up. Arkansas fires their athletic director, meaning that they're going to have to probably hire an AD and a new coach. What are the Razorbacks going to do? Tennessee is after John Gruden in hot pursuit. I have legitimate people who I trust that believe that John Gruden is going to be the next coach at the University of Tennessee, such that they've even got me convinced. There's all sorts of wild conspiracy theories out there. Arkansas fans think that they're going to hire Gus Malzahn from Auburn. Uh, Texas A&M, supposedly, even though they still have a head coach who could finish 8-4, and 5-3 and three in the SEC, supposedly making a full-on run at Jimbo Fisher from Florida State. Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, supposedly the bell of the ball, uh, several different places interested in him. Offshore gambling odds are moving. It is the craziest time of year. All while this is taking place in college football, the playoff is, ta- is set up and, and, and inching closer and closer. Who knows what exactly is going to happen, but I can't stop. I won't stop. I am addicted to the coaching carousel and everything that happens. Soon the first domino will fall, which will set off an amazing reaction across the universe of college football because unlike in the NFL where people have to actually be held to their contracts, there is perpetual coaching free agency in college football. That is, it doesn't matter if you have a contract. 
if somebody offers you more money, you can break it. You can go from coaching Alabama one day to Auburn the next. It is flat-out insanity. Now, uh, I I don't know what's going to end up happening, but I do know that this time of year doesn't get any better than this at all. Um, On top of that, several fascinating stories that are breaking in the NFL. Nathan Peterman is in as your quarterback with the Buffalo Bills. I don't really remember a time before where a 5-4 and team that would theoretically have the last spot in the playoffs right now just effectively turns the page and says, you know what? We're not good enough to really be a playoff team. Let's figure out if Nathan Peterman's any good because we have no faith anymore in Tyrod Taylor. Now, I hate to be the guy who said, I told you so, but I have been telling you for a while now that Tyrod Taylor was not the answer, that they couldn't win a game in the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, and there have been doubters out there who've been telling me I was crazy. The Bills had gotten up to 5-2. and two. Guess what? They've gotten whipped the last two weeks by the Jets, and then at home, the destruction that they got from the Saints. I think it was a sobering wake-up experience for everybody, and they said, wait a minute. We're not going to be anything better than 8-8 eight and eight with Tyrod Taylor. We need to go ahead and figure out what the future of this franchise is going to be. Speaking of the future of the franchise, I believe Marcus Mariota is the future of the franchise tonight on Thursday Night Football. We've got a really fascinating game going on between the Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of you out there right now are not even aware that the Titans are 6-3 and three and that, frankly, if Marcus Mariota had not gotten hurt, they'd probably be 7-2 and two and tied with the Patriots and the Steelers for the best record in the AFC. So, are the Titans for real or are they a pretend team? We're going to talk with Mike Keith. He's the voice of the Titans. He's going to be up in Pittsburgh tonight calling that game in what should be a big Thursday night football game as we try and figure out what's up with the Steelers who play to the level of competition every week and what's up with the Titans. Are they good enough to go on the road and win against what would be the number one overall seed in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers? If you guys have not watched Marcus Mariota play very much, do you agree with me that he is a real, the real deal? Just 24 years old, and he just turned 24 years old. Uh, He is now in his third year with the Titans, and the team has been built around him in a way that I still have no idea exactly what the results of this season are going to be, but I think that the Titans still have an incredibly high ceiling. That is, they haven't gelled in any way. They haven't necessarily played great, but they found a way to win six games. They've got a quarterback in uh, in Steve McNair, in Marcus Mariota, who reminds me a little bit of Steve McNair in that they, the Titans have enough confidence in him that they believe if he gets the ball late in a game, he's going to drive down the field and score and give them an opportunity to win in every game that they are in. And we've seen that recently, the Titans scoring with about 36 seconds to go against uh, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Titans seem to be fairly healthy. The, uh, the Steelers seem to be fairly healthy. I know Thursday night football comes in for a lot of criticism, but I think we've got a really big Thursday night football game that a lot of you are going to enjoy and that I myself am certainly going to enjoy so much so that we're planning here in the house because we got young kids who are also football fans. We got nap time going on in the Travis household. So this afternoon, as soon as the boys get home from school, if they want to stay up and watch the whole game because it won't be over till 1130 Eastern, they have to take a nap. Whole family might have to take a nap to be able to stay up because obviously I'm watching the whole thing and then getting up like I usually do for Friday morning show, even after not very much sleep. 
another fascinating little bit of news for you guys. I've been having a lot of conversations with people who are involved in the NFL. And the, the, we all know that the ratings are down for the NFL and uh, that a lot fewer people are watching. And much of the discussion has centered on the protest. I'm going to talk to you more about this. But people I'm talking to have given me four reasons why NFL uh, ratings are down. And I think those four re- rating, uh, reasons are fascinating. I'm going to write about this today on my website, Outkick, uh, Outkick the Coverage, Outkick.com. You can check it out. I think if you're an NFL fan, you're going to want to read this article. But there are four big buckets, four prongs as to why ratings are down so substantially over the last two years, according to the people that I've been talking to. Prong one, and the most important, is the decline of the 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff window. There are fewer and fewer games that kick off at 1 o'clock Eastern, meaning that the overall quality of the game there is not what it used to be. Now, if you're old enough in my age, you remember over time that 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Central game, especially for everybody who is in the Eastern or the Central time zones, is the quintessential on Sunday. You wake up, you go to church, and then you come home and you sit down in front of the television and you flip it on and the NFL is playing. I can't tell you the number of times as a kid that I would go to church. I think that's probably still the foundational move of the vast majority of you who listen to this uh, listen to this show, uh, If you're especially if you're in the heartland of the country. On Sunday, you would wake up, you would go to church, go to Sunday school, go hear the, the, the pastor speak, and then you go get lunch and you get home and you put on the television and the NFL is kicked off and you watch the NFL. A lot of you would follow that routine for a long time. Well, the people I'm talking to are saying that the lack of strong games at 1 o'clock Eastern are becoming a drag on the NFL's overall ratings. And in the conversations I was having, I'm thinking about that. That certainly is going to apply for me this coming Sunday because I'm more interested in watching the Titans and the Steelers game, but I'm watching that on Thursday. So I already told my wife, who look, I spend a lot of time watching football, and I try when I can to, uh, to, to do things with my family on the weekend that are something other than watching football. So I already told my wife, hey, the Titans play on Thursday night. I don't need to be up and watching every game on Sunday this week. Let's go out and do something. Uh, on a what should be a pretty good Sunday weather because I'll be spending all day Saturday watching college football. And so the number one reason why the NFL ratings are declining, I am told, is because of the decline of that 1 o'clock Eastern game. Now, that may surprise some of you, but I, I think when you really kind of break it down, it's an intriguing perspective to be in that that 1 o'clock Eastern game is not necessarily the same as it used to be when I was a kid or even – as the years have progressed, they have slowly taken away games from that 1 o'clock Eastern window. Sunday night football on NBC. Thursday night football. Now you got Monday night football, three different windows where there's only one game on, and the, those are the best games. And a lot of them would have otherwise been 1 o'clock Eastern games. Two, and I think uh, an, an additional kind of fascinating part of why the ratings are down, I am told, is L.A. Think about L.A. Think about the city of Los Angeles. Our guys out there, Danny G and Justin, can swear to this. And I know because I used to spend a lot of time in L.A. on Sundays. Before you got the Chargers and before you got the, uh, the, the Rams, you got the best game every weekend. 
And so if the Cowboys were really good, that got popped into L.A. Ratings are down in L.A. by a couple of tenths of ratings points, which makes a big deal in the overall revenue. Ratings are down because of why? Because people aren't watching the Rams and the Chargers as much as they were the best teams otherwise, whether it's the Raiders, whether it's the Cowboys. People in L.A. over the last 20 years got used to always getting the best game. And Danny G and Justin, you guys can speak to this. Now you guys don't get the best game anymore. And so as a result, it can be pretty frustrating, I would imagine. You guys speak to this better than anybody to put on your uh, put on your television, and it might not be anywhere near as good of a game as you would have gotten before the NFL actually expanded to Los Angeles. Yeah, it was almost like we had three primetime games every Sunday because we had the, the really great Fox game and – and CBS game, and then we had the Sunday night game on NBC. So it went from that to now the Chargers. Thank thank goodness that the Rams uh, are much improved because at least they're exciting to watch right now. Yeah, look, I mean, and the Rams, maybe that's going to be the savior in the years ahead is that people will get more invested in the local team. But right now you've got a 20-year history of people not necessarily wanting to watch the Rams or to watch the Chargers, instead wanting – whatever teams they've gotten used to, and that's kind of vanished. And so the other one, uh, in, in, the, in terms of there's four buckets here, I'm told, that are, that are costing the NFL. The other one here is bad football. And, you know, it's funny when I put up the poll and I say, why are you guys watching or not watching the NFL? Bad football is the number one result. And the quality of the game has gone down to a large extent, I think because the quality of quarterback play – continues to decline and so you end up with games like Josh McCown against Ryan Fitzpatrick right I mean if there's not a good quarterback it's a different caliber of game for instance tonight's game Thursday night football I think Marcus Mariota against Ben Roethlisberger is going to be fantastic because you have two really good quarterback playing now could one of those quarterbacks have a bad game yes but when you have two quarterbacks with masters of the overall flow of the game it makes a difference The fourth bucket here, and we're going to talk, by the way, to Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans. I'm going to talk to him in hour two. In hour three, we'll talk with Todd Furman, my guy out in the desert. I always try to give you guys a roadmap because so many of you are downloading the podcast now. Uh, I want to let you know what you got coming ahead. So thanks to the millions of you out there that are downloading the podcast uh, every month. Um, The other thing uh, I am told is obviously the protest. Now, the protest has gotten all the attention, but when I was talking to people associated with the NFL, the decimation of the 1 o'clock Eastern hour, bad football, the West Coast, in particular L.A., the ratings declining despite the fact that there are teams there now, and the protests, all four of those things, this is the culminating point here, all four of those factors have conspired to drive down NFL ratings. And guys, I am told that Fox, CBS, ESPN, and NBC, all four of them collectively, and this is going to be kind of a jaw-dropping moment for you, all four of them collectively are losing hundreds of millions of dollars because of the decline in ratings this year. Up to, I am told, $500 million in lost revenue this year because of the decline in NFL ratings. So for people out there who are like, oh, this is no big deal, People are overreacting. Those four factors are what I am told smart people out there involved in the NFL are pointing to 
as to why ratings are down. But the overall impact, and I'm going to write about this, and I haven't heard hardly anybody really put a dollar figure on this. I'm told this for sure into the hundreds of millions of dollars and potentially could approach $500 million in lost revenue for CBS, Fox, NBC, and ESPN slash ABC. That is like, whoa. I mean, I think a lot of you are hearing that number right now, and it's kind of a record scratch moment. Nearly half a billion dollars in lost revenue based on the decline in ratings. So what's the solution? How can the NFL get back its groove? I'm going to talk about that a little bit with you within the context of what, again, I think is an interesting Thursday night football game. There's a lot of debate going on right now about whether Roger Goodell deserves to return as NFL commissioner. The fight with Jerry Jones has gotten worse. I'm going to tell you about some of those details. But I also want you to know that one reason there's such a fight going on is because of what I just laid out. There are a lot of league partners in the television universe, a lot in the advertising universe. Remember, I'm just talking about the television ratings universe that are very nervous about what's going on with the NFL ratings and very desirous of it to get fixed and get fixed in a hurry. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Donald Trump has tweeted about the UCLA basketball players in the last 15 minutes. Donald Trump, one of the only people who's up as early as we are, so uh, all over the country. My Twitter feed is usually pretty silent for the first hour of the show in terms of people that I follow tweeting. Donald Trump, uh, President of the United States, says, to the three UCLA basketball players, I say you're welcome. Go out and give a big thank you to President Xi uh, Jinping, and, and I'm sure I just just absolutely murdered that name. Uh, Z, uh, one of you guys can figure out how I'm supposed to be pronouncing this. President Xi Jinping of China, who made your release possible and have a great life, all caps. Be careful. There are many pitfalls on the long and winding road of life. Donald Trump with a message and a, uh, I'm going to retweet that so you can go find it. But uh, Donald Trump weighing in on the UCLA men's basketball team, who did thank him for his work to get them released. We spent a lot of time talking about that yesterday, how the sports media did not cover Donald Trump's work in getting these guys covered, and then they ended up covering him saying that he wanted them to say thanks. So this is actually about as magnanimous of a, of a tweet as you'll see from the president. Again, Donald Trump, to the three UCLA basketball players, I say you're welcome. Go out and give a big thank you to President. Did you guys figure out how to pronounce this? G and and then how about the second one? <laughs> Anybody know? Anybody? Z G Yinping of China who made uh, your release possible. Have a great life. Be careful. There are many pitfalls on the long and winding road of life. That is Donald Trump. Now, I told you that I was going to tell you uh, what I am hearing about these college football jobs. I started off the show saying I can't sleep at night because my phone is blowing up. Everybody is thrilled to be discussing all of this. I know that John Gruden has reached out to multiple people uh, about being on his staff at the University of Tennessee. So John Gruden is sincerely considering taking the University of Tennessee head coaching job and leaving Monday Night Football. I think that John Gruden is not angling to make more money from Monday Night Football. I think John Gruden will be on a sideline coaching in 2018 somewhere. 
could be in the NFL, could be at the University of Tennessee. And for people out there who say, why would he go to the University of Tennessee? Well, he, uh, he's a former graduate assistant there. He met his wife, who was a former University of Tennessee cheerleader. His son is currently enrolled at the university. His wife's family is all from the Knoxville area in East Tennessee. So what I have been told is if John Gruden takes that job, he will bring one of his sons, who is a strength coach, to work on his staff at Tennessee. His wife will be ecstatic because she will be living back close to her family. So if John Gruden is going to be working 20 hours a week, then she's got a support structure around her to allow her to have a good life. If you know anything, ain't nobody happy if mama ain't happy. Well, this would theoretically allow her to be close to her family, everybody back in the same city. Her son is enrolled at the University of Tennessee. Uh, she would have another son who's working on the coaching staff. Her, her husband would be the head coach of Tennessee. And there is something to John Gruden about the college game that he understands would help him to be, uh, kind of from a resume perspective, more of a legend. I've been making this argument, and I think it's totally true. You don't become a coaching legend in the NFL. In the last 25 years, the only legendary coach in the NFL is Bill Belichick. Everybody else is totally playing second fiddle to their quarterback. You become a legend in the NFL by being a great quarterback. That's it. You don't become a legend by becoming a uh, by becoming a coach in the NFL. In college, you become a legend as a coach. And so John Gruden has the opportunity potentially to go back to the University of Tennessee. I am hearing several other interesting things about open jobs. I think that Florida is going to hire Chip Kelly. I think that that is going to happen based on the people I am talking to. I don't think it's a smokescreen. I think that Nebraska is likely to be able to make a play and potentially get Scott Frost, depending on how all of this shakes out. And and this is pretty intriguing. I think Texas A&M is going to get Jimbo Fisher from Florida State, which would then open up the Florida State job as well, which would really set the coaching dominoes all moving. Finally, Arkansas fired their athletic director. They're going to have to hire a new AD and a new coach. couple of thoughts here. One, can you imagine if Arkansas went and hired Tom Jurich, the fired athletic director from Louisville, and he brought Bobby Petrino back to the Razorbacks. First of all, that is a crazy idea, but I think there's probably a lot of Arkansas people who'd say, you know what, I'd take back Bobby Petrino. Secondly, what about this as an intriguing play that I am hearing a lot of Arkansas people are trying to make happen? You know who they want? Gus Malzahn, the head coach of Auburn. Now, I don't think the timing is likely to work out if Auburn beats Alabama in the final, uh, in the Iron Bowl. But if Auburn loses to Alabama in two weeks, could Arkansas steal away Gus Malzahn, who is from the Fayetteville area, Springfield, Arkansas? Could they steal away Auburn's head coach because Gus Malzahn has not felt like he's that wanted at Auburn and sign him to a massive deal to bring him to Arkansas? That, my friends is why it's crazy right now in the college coaching carousel. Lots of different drama and potential potential outcomes there. Now, ironically, if Auburn beats Alabama and advances to the SEC title game and wins, certainly that would not be a viable option. But if Auburn loses to Alabama, 
that would be a really intriguing move. Put that on your radar screen as a potential wild story. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Week 11 of the NFL kicks off tonight, Thursday night football. The 6-3 and three Tennessee Titans traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the 7-2 and two Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got Mike Keith with us now. He's the voice of the Tennessee Titans a uh, good friend of mine, I've known him for years. And, Mike, the first question I'm going to ask you is, are the Titans any good? I think they are. I, I think this is a pretty good football team. But I, I think, Clay, what jumps out to me about the Titans in watching them is I think they're ever-evolving. I don't believe this football team has gotten anywhere near as good as it can be. And the performance against Cincinnati – on Sunday was a a pretty good illustration of that. They left 14 points out there that they very could have easily scored. They had another mistake where they could have downed the ball at the one-yard line, and no NFL team is going to be perfect, and the other teams are certainly trying to make things hard. But this team still has not completely gelled, and I thought it would take them a while to sort of gain their full form, and that seems to be the case, but what they do have is they do have a lot more playmakers than they've had in years. And the other part, too, Clay, is they have a real confidence in themselves. They have a real belief in themselves. And because of that, they think they're good. And I don't mean that in a cocky way. I mean that in a confidence standpoint. And when you have that, which the Titans haven't had in years, it makes a real difference as you get into November and head toward December, hopefully right in the middle of the playoff race. So they are right in the middle of the playoff race right now. In fact, the overall number four seed in the AFC, and they're playing against the team that would be the number one overall seed, almost potentially a playoff preview game. How big and how important is the way that they perform, not just whether they win or lose, but the way that they perform in this game in the grand scheme of things for this season? I think you said it, the way that they perform. Because the next two weeks, we could argue, are more important for the Titans because they play at Indianapolis, and they've never won at Lucas Oil Stadium. And then they have Houston at home, a team that beat them by 43 points in week four. So those two games in the grand scheme of things, from a strategical standpoint, are probably bigger. But going out on this national stage tonight here in Pittsburgh, going toe-to-toe with a team like the Steelers, a team that very much appears to be back to where the Steelers want to be after they have retooled over the last couple of seasons, I I think it's a big deal. Uh, Certainly you want to win, but I think you want to leave here having gotten the attention of everybody that you belong in games like this and that if we see a team like the Titans in a game like this in January that they can sort of stand up to it, that they're ready to take that next step. You'd very much like to win, but it's hard to win in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field in primetime. Marcus Mariota is 24 years old. I believe he just turned 24, if I'm not mistaken. He is in his third year in the NFL. He is 6-2 and two this year as a starter. A lot of times guys become known based on how they perform in these major national window games where everybody across the league and across the country is watching. How good, in your opinion, is Marcus Mariota? How big is this game for him as the second half of his third year gets underway and he's now out there on the national stage? Well, the key for Marcus is it's big 
you know, these are big situations, but he's been in so many of them. You know, back to Oregon, he got used to the to the spotlight, winning the Heisman Trophy. I don't think any of this makes him nervous. We all want to see him on Thursday night primetime football here in Pittsburgh. We all know what this means, and he gets it, but it doesn't get to him. And where I think he is, too, it's funny, statistically, he was a lot further along this time last year than he is this season. Now, he's played much better defenses to this point. That's sort of added into the fact that he hasn't piled up big numbers. And yet, there are more people nationally who perceive him as taking the next step because he's helping get the Titans home. Monday night football, he got them home with a big fourth quarter. Got a win at Cleveland in overtime. Held off Baltimore with a drive that they absolutely had had to have. Come back against Cincinnati and score with 36 seconds to go. Oftentimes, perception is reality in terms of how we view quarterbacks. I saw it happen. You saw it happen with Steve McNair in the 2002 season, and it led him to an MVP year in 2003. I think Mariota is taking that jump in the eyes of people, and I think he has a chance to make even more of a jump against the Steelers here tonight. You said you believe the Titans are a good football team. I have watched them play every game. They're 6-3. and three. Their, their record would reflect that they're a good football team, but they've been very erratic. What's the ceiling for this team? I think the, the ceiling is way up there. I, I don't think they're anywhere close to what they have a chance to be. They added parts in this offseason that I felt like would make them better. I thought the secondary – which they almost completely turned over through the draft and free agency. I think we can see that it's better. The pass rush has not been quite what we hoped it would be, but I think it can get better down the stretch. I think you could see a Brian Arakpo or a Derek Morgan have an Adrian Claiborne-type game. Maybe not an Adrian Claiborne-type <laughs> But I think you could see some explosion there that we haven't seen. Offensively, the thing that really jumps out to me is you've got – You've got Decker, and you've got Davis, and you've got Smith, the tight end, and you've got Taylor, the wide receiver, all these new parts. And because of injuries and other things that have sort of gone on, when Decker was signed, for example, they haven't been together a whole lot. And just now, this group is starting to practice together. And in the last two weeks, six trips inside the red zone on offense, six touchdowns after being 31st in the league after seven games. We knew they were better than that, Clay, and now they're starting to show it. So I don't, I don't know if I want to say uh, the roof is the ceiling, but uh, <laughs> and I, that's a nod to my son who goes to North Carolina, by the way. But I, I do believe that this ball club has the ability to, to get a lot better as they go. Will we see it all this year? I don't know. You know, I think that's what everybody hopes for. But I, I think we see the parts and the strategy and the style are in place for the Titans to be a team that we're talking about for the next few years. We're talking to Mike Keith. He's the voice of the Titans. One new addition that I think the nation is going to learn about because I've been kind of blown away by how much better he's gotten week to week. And I watched him play a lot at USC, Adore Jackson. I mean, they are bringing him in to work on the offensive side of the ball, and he's explosive every time he touches the ball there, so it wouldn't surprise me if they've got a wrinkle or two for Pittsburgh where he's in on the offensive side of the ball. 
He has returned punts very successfully. In fact, had two called back for for uh, inter, for kind of borderline blocks in the back that he really didn't need to be able to explode and score. And defensively, as a starting corner, he made a lot of really big plays against the Bengals last weekend. What have you seen for him? And is he ready to kind of become a guy that people in the NFL need to be paying attention to? He doesn't have a pick yet, and so it's about time for that. And I think if the Titans are going to win tonight, I think there's a very good chance they need a defensive touchdown. I think that it's going to be one of those games where – you know, it's not going to be 41 to 38. So, you know, it may be a dory time in that area. If you go back and look at the draft, though, just to touch on him specifically, Clay, the Titans are picking at number 18. They've taken Corey Davis at number five. They're picking at number 18 with their second first-round pick. It seems like they're going to go corner there. They have a lot of good choices. And, and guys who've turned out to be good players in the league, but – they quickly, you know, sort of rushed the card up there to get a Dory Jackson based on the fact that they felt like he would be very good in this defense and that he would give them the overall versatility that they needed. And his play, as you said, and I think you put it well, his play has really expanded since he got here. But he's kind of the perfect fit for what Dick LeBeau wants out of him on defense. And he's also the perfect fit for what John Robinson wants out of a Titan. And John, the the general manager, wants a lot of versatility in his roster. He wants a lot of different options. So there were some people who said, oh, Adoree's not big enough, or I I don't know if he's exactly this style of player. But I think John Robinson has already identified what he wants in a Titan. And that doesn't mean every pick that the Titans make is going to be as good as Adoree Jackson. But I think in terms of his style of play, his versatility, and his personality. Uh, as we like to say in, uh, in Tennessee, he ain't scared. Um, Adoree Jackson is never scared. He gives up a completion, he's coming right back. And that mindset is very hard to find in a young corner, and he certainly has that. Big game tonight, obviously, between the Titans and the Steelers, but also you have worked on the college side of the equation as well. And one of the interesting things I think about the NFL versus college is effectively in the NFL now, the people who become legends are quarterbacks. We talked about Marcus Mariota. He'll be going up against Ben Roethlisberger. There are a lot of legendary quarterbacks. Just left the league, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees is having a resurgence this year, may challenge for his second Super Bowl, Brett Favre. Like I can go through a list of long time, last 20 years, big-time legendary quarterbacks. Where college football is different in many respects is I think it's the coaches who become legends. Other than Belichick in the last 25 years, I don't know that I can really point to anybody in the NFL. Obviously, back in the day, Bill Walsh, uh, Shula, uh, you can say Lombardi. You can go through a whole list of guys who became legends back in the day of NFL coaching. But now it's a quarterback's league. College is a coaching league. You worked on the college side. Never in the NFL do we have the same kind of drama associated with who's going to be the next coach in the NFL like we do in college. What in the world, having said all that, you worked at the University of Tennessee for a while. Who do you think Tennessee ends up with as their coach before all is said and done? Ooh, wow. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, it's, it's really tough from the standpoint that they have to define exactly where they go after Butch Jones. They have to define what what is that fit that is next. I mean, Butch Jones came in, and, and he had to do a lot of salesmanship. You know, that was a big part of the job. I think they're going to go more veteran coach. I think they're going to go less of an up-and-comer 
and more somebody who has some skins on the wall. Because I think the the feeling is with that person taking what they have right now, which is better than what Butch Jones found, and then adding to it, not only in terms of player talent, but adding to it in terms of coaching staff and acumen, just trying to take this program up. I, I think you're you're looking to build on that. That's the the next move and. You know, there are, there are a lot of great choices out there. I mean, the Tennessee fans keep talking about Dan Mullen, a great deal. Dan Mullen has had a tremendous amount of success at uh, Mississippi State, and he knows the conference. I think having somebody who knows the conference makes a ton of sense. I don't think it's necessary uh, in, in terms of that, in terms of that, that you have to have that. A guy like Dave Doran at or at uh, NC State is a is a guy that I think could be a good choice for a place like Tennessee who has had success at Northern Illinois and NC State. Mike, ultimately, what do you think happens tonight? All right, I got you into college football. Now I'm going to reel you back into the big game going on tonight, Week 11's premier contest, the Titans against the Steelers. What do you think viewers will see at the end of the game? I think they're going to see either Ben Roethlisberger or Marcus Mariota with a drive to win the game at the end. I, you know, I don't know if it's the Steelers coming from behind or the Titans coming from behind, but I think that's the kind of game we get out of tonight because I think about these two teams, you know, sometimes these Thursday night matchups aren't very good because the teams aren't very well formed or they've had a major injury that impacts them dramatically. Play both of these teams are remarkably healthy coming into you know what amounts to a, a really huge Thursday night game for both of them. I think it comes right down to the end. I think it's very tight, and I think whomever wins this game walks away looking at the other team and saying, "We could see you again in January." I really do believe it's a heavyweight battle tonight. Outstanding stuff, Mike Keith. A lot of people will be listening. We'll certainly be watching. Can't wait to see what happens. Appreciate you getting up early with us on this Thursday. Enjoy the game tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun this evening, Clay. Thanks for having me on your show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Nick Saban was in his press conference. Pray for Mercer, I believe, is who they play against. And he decided to lead off his press conference talking about his opinion on blue jeans. Really, this happened. I, I guess I just wanted to know how we got here. Not to offend anybody out there, but I just walked by some jeans, wore out jeans, holes in them, all cut up. I just remember when I was a kid in West Virginia, I was ashamed to go to school because my jeans were wore out, only because we didn't have any better. Now they buy them that way. I just can't figure out how we get here. <laughs> I don't know. Nick, pray for Mercer. You know when it's a couple of days before a game and Nick Saban's leading off his, t- his talk about, uh, about blue jeans, it's probably a really good day at practice. Maybe be a little bit nervous for Auburn, too. Nick Saban... Stand-up comic takes the mic and decides to do some material on people wearing ripped-up blue jeans. There's some truth to that. People paying a lot of money for ripped-up blue jeans. You see people paid 
this Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, I believe it was, right? Wasn't it a da Vinci that, that sold for $450 million last night? Did you guys see that story? Anybody have any class or character on this show other than me? Any of you? I've told you before. See, I hate art. I don't care. You just step out of. The I don't equation. like. I don't. I don't like. Step well, look. I'm looking it up right now. But you don't. You, you hate act art? like you act like that's some story you cared about. I, I, I think on. it's a big deal that a on, painting Clay. sold for as much as a professional sports team would sell for. Because I've been making the analogy for a long time that basically professional sports franchises are paintings for rich guys. Rich guys out there, the reason why paintings sell for so much money is because rich guys can hang them on their wall and say, hey, I spent $450 million for this. And a lot of people haven't realized that about pro sports franchises. They're not being bought for the money they're going to be making. They're being bought so that they can prove that they can afford them. Like everybody's like, oh my God, I can't believe Steve Ballmer spent $2 billion for the Clippers well, the reason why he spent $2 billion for the Clippers was because he could could spend $2 billion for the Clippers for the same reason that some guy just spent $450 million. I believe it's a Da Vinci. I'm sorry yeah, for having it some is. I looked it up. Why, it. why did right this here. guy stay anonymous? I don't know. I, I don't know why you stay anonymous. A lot of times they stay anonymous because the guy who's actually buying isn't the one who's going to buy it. Does that make sense? Like they have a proxy who's doing the bidding. Like a and personal so, shopper? Yeah, like a personal shop, really high-end personal shopper, obviously, <laughs> if you're bidding $450 million on something. I mean, that is what I, I believe that's more than a lot of, uh, and I know the numbers have gone up as precipitously in the last couple of years in the NBA because ESPN's gone bankrupt giving them the money that they did for their television contract. But this is, uh, but even before that new television contract, I think you could buy an NBA franchise for $450 million. Like four years ago, I think you could buy an NBA. I think there were NBA teams going for less than $500 million. So you could buy an NBA franchise or you could buy this painting. What is the Da Vinci painting that sold for $450 million? Savior of the world. It's Christ. Yeah, it's the only Da Vinci painting that is not in any museum. It's where amazing, actually. The story behind this painting is pretty incredible. Yeah, actually. where did it Charles come from? Charles I. It was originally part of Charles I. royal collection. This is amazing. Charles I, the, the king of England. Yes, it was, of- sold for, it was sold for just 45 pounds in the 1950s as it was mistaken for a copy. Then they realized it was the real thing, and of course it sold. It's called the Salvatore Mundi, i.e. Savior of the World, as, as it was translated. So yeah, 45 pounds in the 50s to $450.3 million last night. That's unbelievable. So somebody bought this painting for 45 pounds, which is roughly like what, like 60 bucks right now? Pretty much. 70 bucks, something like that. Um, Somewhere in there. And, and it sold for $450 million. It's the most expensive painting in the history of the world. Wow. Yes. I mean, that is an unbelievable. Like, where do you even put a 400? I'm assuming the guy will have to get it on loan somewhere, right? Because I'd be, can you imagine? Like, I get nervous just thinking about, like, the reason I don't have expensive sunglasses or an expensive watch or, like, there's nothing that I carry around with me that has any value other than my brain. The only thing on my body that has value is my brain, but I don't. I'm not like a possession guy, right? Like my wife's got a couple of nice rings, some nice jewelry. I don't own anything of any value, right? Other than my house, like there's nothing that I can carry that people will be like, "Oh, that guy's got money." So I don't have a watch. I don't do like expensive sunglasses. 
I don't have expensive clothes, none of that stuff, all right? That's just, I, I'm not that interested in it. But partly, that's because if I spent, like, what's the most you guys have ever spent for a pair of sunglasses? Jason, I bet you don't even wear sunglasses, Jason Martin. I don't even buy into you. What's I the most know. you've ever What's the most you've I've, ever spent for sunglasses? It was this year because it's the first time I've been able to wear them because I got contacts this year. So about 90 bucks, and that'll be the most I would ever spend. What about you guys? Uh, I have a pair at home that costs three hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, see, I mean, yeah, just I'd hearing that. that makes me nervous because I lose every pair of sunglasses that I have. So I wear like free sunglasses everywhere I go because then if I lose them, I don't feel bad. And I just can't even imagine if you had a painting worth four hundred and fifty million dollars, where do you keep it? I'd be like, too you afraid have to, to loan it. it to a museum. I think. Yeah, I think I you think have to loan it to a happens. museum. I think that's because, what I, I think that's what would happen. It's the same thing as like you were asking why you'd want to stay anonymous. That's why I'd want to stay anonymous. Quite frankly, like if you want to own it, it's because you obviously have some kind of a passion for it, and there's a small select group of people, I guess, that might be able to know. But it's like if you win the lottery, I don't know the great thing that comes from everyone knowing that you win the lottery. Like I would kind of like to stay in the background. Nobody needs to know those kind of affairs on that level with me. If you're that rich. You're probably already powerful enough that you don't need to spread around that you own this Salvatore Mundi at four hundred and fifty million dollars. Well, they thought it was going to go. I, I I actually read about that. Like I'm not a, a, a not like you, Jason Martin, who just says I don't like art. My thing is I don't. Contemporary art to me is a total sham. Like I think that everybody out there who believes that they can tell the difference between what a kid did with finger paint versus what something that's going to sell for a million dollars, I think you're full of crap. I think that in general. There is a total sham when it comes to contemporary art. But the old school art that you stand in front of and you can actually tell what's going on there. Like, I don't get the deal with, like, oh, here's three little dabs of paint. Here's, like, a a random, like, swoosh. Like, I don't understand any of that stuff. But the actual things that reflect, you know, that that reflect something you can see, um, I am kind of fascinated. I think this went for three times as much as they were forecasting. They knew it was going to be expensive. Yeah, it did. It started started at the $200 million mark, then... telephone bidders started pushing it up two million dollars at a time and i spoke wrong i don't hate ancient art i hate people that try to interpret art and tell me what the artist was thinking that's what i can't stand oh, 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 O'Reilly. you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts need them fast we've got fast no matter what you need we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.